0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Joyous Conversations with me, your host, Joy Makassi. Uh, we are still doing Black History Month, even though it is March, because I am extending it beyond the 28 days that we've been allotted in America, even though we're in the UK. I know. Uh, so, um meandering aside, um today I have a very special guest, a uh, friend of mine who I've known for quite some years through the TechFest community, and... He's somebody who I look up to and I admire because he is just amazing just as a musician and also as an entrepreneur and as a business person and I'm really glad to have him on today and our guest today is Ash Cook. Ash, how are you doing?
1: I'm good. Hi, thanks for that uh, lovely introduction as well.
0: <laughs> oh man, it, it's true though. Like seriously, you are, you you have done so much and I'm just, I look up to you because you just do so many amazing things as well and it's just like, Ash, doing this bullshit. <laughs>
1: thank you I mean a combination of it is um yeah hard work and also just kind of being in the right place at the right time or at least making sure I was in the right place at the right time
0: yeah no and that is the thing I think um it does help being in the right place as you've said but also hard work because my god you can't play your guitar dude (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> See, I was having this conversation recently and I know obviously everyone's their own worst critic, but, um, I really don't feel like an accomplished, uh, guitarist. I mean, I, I feel like, ai am quite proud of myself as a musician, um, in terms of, you know, songwriting and production. When I say production, I mean, um, not mixing and mastering, but like, you know, the actual production of a, of a song from an idea to you know something that you release um I'm, I'm definitely proud of myself in that respect but in in terms of just the actual guitar um <laughs> yeah i'm i'm not uh, <laughs> I, i'd have to disagree with you there
0: well you're definitely better than me and a lot of other people that i know and on top of that i have told you this in person because i i appreciate you um as i've said before like yourselves valice ablaze um siamese uh sleep token as well and arch echo were basically my go-to music whenever i was trying to do anything for work at uni you guys helped me make it through my university
1: (laughs) yeah so yeah what uh what valice album was that um would that have been I need to check my Spotify because
0: I just mainly listen to the songs and then I forget the albums and now I feel bad for me admitting to that in front of you.
1: <laughs> Busted.
0: Yeah, I'm one of those. It's alright. It's okay.
1: I was just, I was just curious as to what album or you know what songs did it really.
0: Um. Well, it is. I'm just checking my Spotify right now. It is all from the same album. Uh, and boundless there we go Ah, yeah
1: 2018 yes so um that album funnily enough is actually a concept album um about the sleep cycle in short you know it's about what where your mind goes and what your brain does um in those crucial hours
0: really i how did you come up with that
1: (laughs) um well in typical prog wankery fashion Tom and I were like oh we want to write a concept album um and we a couple of the songs share similar themes melodically um and rhythmically and Phil uh was looking at different concepts to to sing about and he's quite into I guess more abstract things and um he effectively came up with the idea of the sleep cycle. Um, And actually the whole album, if you listen to it from start to finish um, loops quite well, Um, lyrically as well, from a vocal standpoint and and melodically from a vocal standpoint, some of the lines are repeated um, throughout certain songs. So it's, I guess in essence, it's quite similar to uh, P2 or um, Juggernaut, where, you know, you hear, you hear bits and bobs and then later on in the album you're like, hang on, is this the same song? Oh no, it's a different song, but the chord sequence underneath is slightly different or, yeah. you know, it, the song could be in a different key, but, you know, Phil has, and then Phil could be doing the the, uh, the repeated vocals in, in a harmony compared to the previous version. And uh, yeah, it was a bit bold of us to release a concept album as our first full album.
0: You say uh, that it's a bit bold, but I say, shoot for the stars, man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just from a marketing standpoint, it just made it difficult to pick singles and also to play live. Um, a lot of the songs flow into the next song.
0: Oh, yeah. I can see that being an issue.
1: <laughs> so when you're playing you know lower level shows and opening slots and you've got 30 minutes and you know average song length is five and a half to six minutes you kind of can't do three or four set piece you know you kind of have to pick and choose older things some songs from the album maybe new things you're working on so it was a bit problematic from that perspective
0: oh well i i, I get you there and um it it does now. Now you're making me think about other bands who have concept albums and how they've managed to work that through. Because that, that's something that I never think about till now. I'm like, yeah, no, that that does make it trickier to just market it and try to play it at a gig.
1: Yeah, I mean, we never wanted to go like full Dream Theater, but um, especially because actually at the time of Banless there are only two members of the band, and that was myself included that actually liked Dream Theater. <laughs> um (laughs) but uh we found it kind of um we found ourselves saying do you know what if this album does well if we do well we'd love to revisit this in five ten years time play it in full get all the guests on because there's guest solo from sithuai guest solo from uh reese Forward from mask of judas yeah. And there's uh, guest vocals from Drusif as well. Yeah. So you know, we we've got an idea in our head for like a, a huge, boundless in full evening, maybe a couple of other tracks as well from the EP and other albums and, and guests and things like that.
0: That's oh, so sweet. I'm looking forward to that when that comes out.
1: <laughs> that that won't be for a few years. yet. we're oh. um, we uh, we properly ran ourselves into the ground in uh, 2019 um, a couple of us were having some personal issues and things as well and we just finished a tour and felt extremely deflated even though we did um quite well off the back of it um so it's, it's been nice to kind of you know focus on on ourselves a bit but yeah that's that's definitely something we want to pick up in a couple of years time
0: no that's fine i mean take times, guys and i think that's one of the things that is not fully spoken about um to the outside world who are not involved in music how it can be quite draining just tour looks like a fun thing but when you think about it like logically it's like oh yeah no that sounds painful
1: <laughs> yeah um i don't know i'm a pretty nervous passenger so i i subject myself to the majority of the driving plus um some of the, some of the other members of the band are just terrible drivers. So it just <laughs> makes sense. Um, also I can function quite well for quite a long period, um, with, with poor sleep. So, um, you know, I don't mind being the first one up or, or driving tired, you know, driving tired wakes me up.
0: I get you there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had kind of my quasi tour experiences. Like, um, my only time that I've been to Euroblast, I ended up, well, uh, sleeping in Simon Garrett's van that was interesting <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> what year was that? um twenty
0: twenty nineteen 2019 actually yeah because it didn't happen last year
1: <clears throat> oh yeah we were uh, we opened actually 2019
0: yeah. yeah yeah it was really nice yeah
1: yeah, yeah do enjoy Euroblast it's kind of quite gutted we missed out on not having any festivals last year
0: I know, and especially well for you guys as well with radar and everything else.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, we tried to push it back, um, but it just didn't happen.
0: Yeah. But no, nope, uh, here's the hoping for maybe twenty twenty one, twenty two. I'm now forgetting what year we're in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's looking positive um for this summer. Um we'll be in a better position in about three weeks' time to, to know fully. To know. Yeah. But um yeah, it's looking positive, you know, minimal changes to come. And uh, yeah, it, we're we're excited. The first year was, um, we'd never done it. Well, I mean, we'd all worked in events previously, um, but we'd never had something we could call our own and be that proud of. And it was really, really special to do that.
0: Yeah, no, it's understandable. And yeah, so fingers crossed and then knock on wood.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, the first year was a huge huge learning opportunity um for all of us you know we'd all done different bits and bobs of being involved but never had the pressure of actually having to make sure all of those moving parts move in sync yeah um but i would 100% do it again and, and hope we can this summer
0: fingers crossed man looking forward to it yeah so um i usually ask my guests uh what song they might have been listening to over the last week or few days and it's always interesting what people say and some of the songs just throw me left field and it's always a fun question so what well, what song have you been listening to or vibing to
1: <laughs> so um i've managed to put so obviously a cyberpunk 2077 came out oh, in yeah. december um and I've managed to somehow put in over a hundred hours of that in. I guess what's that? That's three months now, so that's about thirty hours a month, um, average. Um, and there's a couple of tracks on the radio stations that are really good. Um, and there's a few that for some reason haven't made it onto the soundtrack that you can buy. But one of them is on YouTube. Um, what they've done to kind of circumvent the record label side of stuff is they they've asked artists to create tracks for. Um, for the radio stations, but they have changed the artist's name um in the in the station so that you know they're not releasing that song as that artist. And anyway, I discovered this kind of industrial electronic act called uh I think it's pronounced Oneno or Onino. Um it also looks typed as one no. <laughs> that's that's his original uh his original artist name. But in Cyberpunk he is He goes by the name of Perilous Future, um, which is, you know, just, I guess, kind of dark cyberpunk sounding artist name. And he's written this five and a half minute industrial alternative pop banger. And the guy sounds like Trent Reznor as well, like is uncanny. Really? Um, the, The song's called Makes Me Feel Better and it's just a huge tune and anytime that comes on in the car i just drive around i absolutely love it um and then in general the soundtrack as well is it's got a good mixture of you know there's converge there's grimes there's um this bit of everything you know new and older metal and alternative and pop and k-pop and things like that it's great
0: nice i mean um how is Cyberpunk? Because I've heard a lot of interesting reviews, we'll put it that way.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit messy um, in the first first week or so. Um, I mean, I've got an extremely powerful gaming PC, um, so it, it handles it absolutely fine. And I've not had anything that's been game-breaking. I guess just a couple of things that have kind of broken the illusion of, of the immersiveness of the game. Um, but I'm still having fun and I'm, I've still got probably another 10 hours to go. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of, it's inspired me actually to write, uh, some more music actually, not, not necessarily the soundtrack, but the, yeah. just the aesthetic of the game and the setting, um, has definitely inspired me to, to write a bit more music recently.
0: You know, that's good. I mean, it's funny that you uh, mentioned, well, the Trent Reznor connection, because um I, I do that thing where I just have songs that just randomly come in my head every now and then from left field. And mine today was, I was leaving work, uh, I was leaving the office, and as I was just walking out, I just thought, Old Town Road by Little Nas X. <laughs> yeah, just started playing, and I think you know that, Um the song, I, it actually samples a my national song doesn't it for like the guitar part
1: um yes it does
0: yeah 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 so it's just having that and also on the gaming like connection though um it is interesting how music and video games immerses you into it doesn't it
1: yeah i mean um obviously you know doom is a perfect example yeah like the doom eternal soundtrack is a lot more varied because there's more artists involved. Um, and you know, the mixing and mastering issue that came out aside, um, from the Mick Gordon tracks, you know, the writing is, is amazing. You know, they're using, um, you know, samples, modular synths, um, VSTs, guitars, you know, 40 year old keyboards, um, it's just, you know, it, <laughs> I replayed the first one recently and, um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was absolutely blown away, even though that's, that's now a four, this year will be a five year old game. And, um, yeah, it was still, still impressed me on a, on a third playthrough. The audio, uh, and the, the music especially, um, j- just makes it.
0: No, that's true. And like with me, I had, um, an immersive experience video gaming uh last year when I was playing Watch Dogs Legion uh reviewing it for Invictur magazine and yeah um because because it's set in London I, I just had this moment of just feeling like I was home in a way in a video game because I'm just driving and then at one station architects are playing and then the other station it's stormy and then it's like some grime with well JME and everything else. I'm like this feels like I'm in London because some of these bands they well these acts are british so they will be quite prominent in london and you just add it just added to mm-hmm. the immersive feeling which was so great
1: <laughs> i've not got round to that yet um i don't know i guess because it's on the, the ubisoft store and on the epic store like even though i use those those stores it's it's not my my You're going to? what's the word yeah like yeah. everything for me is pretty much in Steam or in GOG, but I'm, you know, I, I collect the free games and stuff, but I don't browse the stores as much as I would Steam because I guess that's where I have most of my friends on the community aspect of Steam. Um, you know, the layout is absolutely fantastic. You know, you can just read reviews and see what people are up to, what they've achieved in games. Um, yeah, it's just a little bit more, uh, engaging, I think.
0: So I never got into, uh, Proper, proper computer gaming, because I'm more of a console guy myself, and uh, my my laptop is so old, and I'm having to run Linux on it most of the time, that's how bad it is. So I, I've always wanted to get into well, that, because as you say said, the community on Steam is quite amazing, and also uh, on well, gaming PCs you can get some amazing games, and also some amazing time sinks, like WoW, I will never go back to WoW, that is
1: just... <laughs>
0: time gets lost
1: <laughs> Yep. yeah it's an uh it's an expensive it is an expensive endeavor probably um if you're a musician it's probably the second most expensive thing to being a musician um just you know new things coming out every year or 18 months or so yeah. not that you have to upgrade but um
0: it's advisable
1: you know yeah i mean get game companies are um looking to push limits um so you need the hardware to do that sometimes true
0: true true yeah and um i do agree i love how you say that as a musician it would be the second most expensive thing because gear is just expensive i remember when i started trying to learn to play guitar and i was like oh this is fine this is nice and i was like okay let's get an amp okay let's try to get some pedals i'm like oh yeah no this requires money doesn't it
1: <laughs> yeah i i bought one guitar last year and actually, that was an accident. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> How did you it by accident?
1: I went to buy it for someone else, um, and then they said, "Actually, they were they were going to because they couldn't get it on finance, um, but I could, so I was getting it on finance for them, and and they could pay me back slowly." But um, they changed their mind, and I don't know. I just even though they told me two days later, I just went on and bought it anyway. And then I was like, Oh, your guitars here. And they were like, Oh, I didn't want it. I said, like, Oh, okay. I'll have it then. It's <laughs> um, uh, amazing. Uh, but I have sold three guitars in the last year. So uh,
0: like with, with me, when it comes to guitars, the, my most, random guitar that I have and I posted it on Facebook recently the story behind it is actually quite funny so uh, my mother she has this thing about really loving car boot sales which I'm now dreading well spring but then again there is a plague so probably not that many car boot sales our house is cluttered with stuff basically but yeah so um she goes to this car boot sale at some point and then she comes back with this guitar that's in this case and I'm like I already have a lot of guitars why do I need this? And then I end up checking out the guitar. It's this small little acoustic guitar. But then at the back of it, it says made in West Germany. That's when I realized I have a Soviet, like a Cold War era guitar. I'm like, okay, I'm keeping this now. Thank you,
1: mother. <laughs> what uh, What was the brand of it?
0: Um, I don't think it has a brand. It's just a, 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 actually it has a brand. I will let you know when I have a look at it. Fully, but yeah, Soviet era guitar. I'm like, okay, just keep that, wait for 100 years for it to actually accrue any value.
1: Yeah, I, I can't think of any. I mean, obviously, I can think of like Polish guitar brands like Mayonnaise, um, Ran, um, I want to say Padalka, there's a few, um. But yeah, I can't really think of any anything else.
0: Hmm. I I I I didn't. I don't even know like any brand names unless it's like the, the big ones. It's like, oh, are we talking about Gibson, Fender, Schecter, those other things? But when it comes to those other ones, I am very clueless.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I um, I'll be honest with you. Up until about. Um, 10 years ago, I was probably the same. Um, I, I grew up in, in the deepest, deepest, darkest depths of, uh, Cornwall where, oh, yeah. you know, your, your options were Gibson, Epiphone, Fender and Squire. Um, you know, there were very few music shops, anything that wasn't those four was exotic and extremely expensive. Um, and obviously, you know, I I travelled when I was younger, and then had, a, you know, went to other cities and and started seeing, you know, Ibanez and ESP and you know Yamaha um, things like that. Um, but it wasn't until I got to university where I could find more like-minded people to uh, you know jam with. I mean, so the original drummer for Vallis, um a guy called Rich New. Um, him and I started the live music society at, uh, our university in Bristol. And, uh, you know, we just kind of, we went to an open mic night and we jammed master of puppets pretty much all the way through. <laughs> and, um, then we were like, this is cool. What else do you like him? He loved tool and dream theater. And I loved those bands as well. I loved other things, but, um, you know, I'd, I'd just gotten into carnival um about 2009 i think it was and um yeah through that network at the of the live music society you know just found more people heavier music more brands you know just it, it was just a complete it, it changed my life to be honest um you know just discovering um Kitam and, and gear manufacturers that I just wouldn't have found otherwise, you know, may, most of them po- were on found through forums that I'd been recommended. Um, you know, that's how I discovered Chimp Spanner and, and bulb who is Misha Mansour. Um, but like, you know, they were all, all recommended by people through this society that Rich and I had, had uh, created.
0: Nice. And it's always interesting, like, um, how people end up getting into metal. It's usually through friends and acquaintances, and then somebody suggests something for you, and then you suggest something for them, and then it becomes just this knowledge exchange of music, in essence, where you broaden your horizons. And I think that's one of the things that I like about just the tech metal community there everyone is so open to suggestions, but they're also open to just bridging beyond the metal genre, because I think a lot of musicians end up just mishmashing things along the way to build their music. And it's quite interesting.
1: Yeah. I mean, so before Spotify, there was last FM. Which oh yeah. you Download this little thing. Yeah, exactly. You'd download this little thing and it would analyze what you're listening to and suggest similar bands. Um, but yeah, I think in, 2012 or 20 I think it was 2013 um I yeah it was 2013 I, I discovered um I guess what was UKTM the origins of um and No Consequence played my local town and I was friendly with the promoter who put them on and um they played a 50 cat room about 25 people turned up And uh, I saw Simon there and and we started talking and he was like, oh, I'm doing a festival. Um, And then, yeah, that just like, that's just how I got into it. Just through Simon. Um, And then in 2014, we opened the festival. Um, In 2015, we didn't, but in 2017, 18, 19, we then played again. um, All, you know, main stage and late slots and you know as the band had grown we'd gone up but yeah i made some amazing connections through effectively you know bumping into simon who was driving for no consequence on that tour in
0: 2013 uh i love how it, in life as you said you just need to be at the right place at the right time and then you just meet people and then your life changes i mean my my life is kind of similar to that with I met Simon through new well, like connections in Newmarket because we both live in Newmarket. And for years, he'd been telling me to come to TechFest. And I, I'd known him for quite a while. But then I think at some point I ended up going because I was like, the lineup looks good. I want to check it out. And my life has changed since. I've made amazing friends. I've gotten to see amazing bands, got to listen to amazing music, and now doing a podcast with musicians that I admire and just talking about random things. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's uh yeah, just thinking back to the past, you know, all the the major musical experiences I've had have of, of been through um yeah, through connections. Obviously there's been a lot through hard work as well and and not to mention money, but uh yeah, the majority of them have been connections.
0: True, true. And be, because it's such a um because it's such a tight knit group, you end up networking quite easily because everyone kind of knows each other. And I I mean, I can also imagine, especially at a place like Cornwall, there's not that big a tech scene. So you end up knowing everyone there, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah. I mean, um, the, the metal scene in, in Cornwall when I was kind of, uh, I would have been 14, I guess when 13, 14, when I really started getting into that, um, up until I left there for uni at 18, you know, that um, we had sixth come and play once, I think outside of that, there are no bands from that. I listen to now that I can remember coming down, um, you know, even smaller bands or, you know, bands of that time, sorry. Um, just, you know, that there just wasn't the venues. Um, and also everything's quite far away. And, actually in comparison to when you live in a city, it's actually not that far away, but when public transport isn't great um, or isn't reliable and things like that, you know, a 20 mile trip to go to see a band becomes a big ordeal um, in in your youth. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it wasn't until I'd left Cornwall that I was able to discover through, you know, through things like Facebook, um, taking off, um, and then, you know, making again, connections through the live music society and through promoters and eventually becoming a promoter. Um, you know, it wasn't until I'd, I'd gotten out of Cornwall for a few years that I was able to learn more about it's, um, you know, it's local scene and obviously try and help some of those bands. There were, there were quite a few Cornish bands that I had tried to, to give slots on, on Bristol shows and try and sling them 30, 40, 50 quid, um, you know, t- to cover their fuel. Cause it's a 360 mile round trip. Ooh. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, you know, they're, they're so grateful. Um, cause there's, you know, no one wants to take a band on from Cornwall because, um, you know, there's, there's not a scene there. So that, and it's too far to, you know, it's not like from a city that you might travel to. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's, it was, it was quite cool to do. Um, obviously lost some money on some shows as well. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I've got no idea what the scene is like now. Cause, um, I guess my last three or four roles, uh, professionally have been in the industry and have been more, um, arena level focused rather than uh you know pub and 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 actual venues yeah so um i'm I'm definitely out of touch with uh with most scenes i'd probably even say maybe even the bristol scene as obviously there there hasn't been anything going on um i don't really know who's cropped up in the last year um yeah because the majority of my work has has meant that i've had to focus on you know, two and a half thousand and above capacity shows, Yeah, um, which obviously those acts, you know, can already sell tickets. So I'm just focusing on on how to reach their fans more efficiently. Um, but, you know, I think things like Radar enable me to obviously have my ear to the ground to a degree. And um, also, I guess, personal interest predominantly in, in metal and alternative as well. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to kind of getting a bit more involved this year.
0: No, that's good man it's good so uh because you mentioned uh techfest earlier and you guys have opened uh you said that you guys opened in 2014 i'm always interested especially with people who've played to see what their favorite techfest experiences are because for some they say they say that it's when they have uh played but for some they say that it's just the vibes and uh, for some they just say just get into you know the vibes and get to see the fam, and getting lost at the after parties
1: <laughs> um I'm trying to think um i mean obviously i'll never forget 2014 opening a festival after being in a band for about a year so we yeah we played we played our first ever show i think on friday the 12th of july 2013 yeah um very different lineup and then we opened tech fest on Thursday, the 12th or 13th of July as well. So it was literally an exact year, um, that, you know, we'd gone from playing a gig and started recording music and things like that to then to opening a festival. Um, you know, I was very, very proud and obviously, you know, um, yeah, sure. There were people I knew there, but we were making waves cause we were at the time that version of Vallis was kind of a cross between a uh, system of a down and Meshuggah with a very, um, active and theatrical front man. Um, but you know, it's not the, the more refined, uh, and melodic version of Vallis that people know now. And, um, Yeah. I'll never forget that experience of just thinking like, wow, we've achieved this in a year. Like, where is this going to go from here? Um, and you know, also just playing to that many people because in, in our first year, you know, we played to, you know, in, in pubs and clubs to probably no more than 50 people at a time. Um, and you know, we were sound checking and there were already 50 people in the room. So we were, yeah, You know, that's something I'll never forget. Um, and then I guess 2017, we played um, after we just released the uh, the Insularity EP earlier on in the year. And Drusif came and guested on a, on a song because he also produced the album, and he was playing that year. And he's a, you know he's a big personality, and he's also oh, yeah. an amazing vocalist. Um, to have him join us on stage for like a really emotional song was uh was really really nice like that will always bring a smile to my face um and then you know the the other years as well actually um we had white dove who's a singer songwriter who features on album two of ours but she came and did drusif's vocals from out from uh from frequency which is on boundless she came and performed that at 2018 and that's when we kind of knew that we uh wanted to have her as a do guests on on the next album as well and 2018 was also special because you know new lineup um dan's first ever show <laughs> with us which was and it was a pretty like you know it was like a 6 or 7 p.m slot so um you know it was a it was a milestone for the band but they're all they're all some of my favorite moments ps yes, some of my other favorite moments are you know um just the memes that have spawned off bad weather. Um, just, <laughs> just some of the hangs with people. Some of the, you know, some of the people I've met. You know, in 2019 I met. Uh, sorry, in 2018, um, I met Joe and Rob Shaw and Rob Westwood, who were guys from Guildford. Uh, they're, those they're actually promoters. They used to do progressive promotions, um, and off the back of that, that's actually how. We formed Radar shortly after meeting them. Oh, really? Um, yeah, meeting them at Tech Fest, um, and we, we camped close to them because obviously they're all friends with Khan and the rest are no consequence. Um, and now they're all, you know, the Bristol guys and some of the Vallis guys and some of the Guildford guys. They're all people I, I play video games with, you know, two three times a week. Um, but yeah, that you know, we met at Tech Fest and then we we formed Radar. Um, you know, within six months of that. Uh, and yeah, I won't, I won't forget that in a hurry. Cause that was a really memorable year as well. Um, there's literally, there's, there's so many, so many moments that, um, that, you know, um, that I, I'm grateful for, I guess. Um, and that, that there are, you know, even after parties, I get one year I got up and sang careless whisper uh, oh. with um, Billy Turner, who's a guitarist in a band called brink of extinction. And, um cruelty circuit who are making a comeback soon. Current funnily enough, with the old Vallis vocalist who's now <laughs> gonna be their frontman. So um yeah if you if you liked the older stuff, keep an eye out for them.
0: Thank you very much. Yeah I I didn't know that radar started from Techfest Life, but wow, yeah, because um was when did you stop radar again? Which year was it? Um you would remember So
1: 2019 was our yeah. 2019 was our first year. But we launched in January twenty nineteen after meeting um yeah, after meeting Joe at TechFest um, Tech Fest twenty eighteen and then the rest of them at, at Euroblast as well in twenty eighteen. Um I think Euroblast when we were at Euroblast I think we kinda of realised that indoor for us was a bit less of a risk and a bit more what we wanted to do.
0: Oh. Makes sense there. I mean, Euroblast is quite an amazing hang, and I had never been till twenty nineteen myself, and that was just eye opening, just in so many ways. It, I mean, it it, it was just great, and I, I I really had a good time. And I look also attending radar. I wasn't able to make it. Well, in twenty nineteen, I was finishing my masters. Well, kind of finishing. That's a long story that I'll get into with my family at some point. <coughs> There's a reason I've not graduated yet, guys. But yeah. So um but no, because the lineup looks amazing. Like who were you supposed to have last year?
1: Uh, we're actually just carrying over last year's lineup oh. to this year. So so uh dirty loops are headlining, yep. I don't know if you know them.
0: Yeah, I know them,
1: yeah. Uh sleep token, Haken. Yep. Um yeah, we're just going for for prog, you know. Arctangent have got the the, the mathy Vibes, alternative release, yeah. vibes i guess and uh you know tech fest has the heavier side of things yeah um and yeah you know i think at, at we're we're somewhere in the middle um you know obviously we will we will have a couple of bands that branch into both of those those areas but uh there's no reason why you couldn't come to um all three events over the summer sure. and be perfectly you know happy with all aspects of um of of technical music.
0: Technical wizardry, technical wizardry. I mean, at least like with TechFest, uh, I'm not going to, I was about to say, at least with TechFest and Akhtang, uh, at least with TechFest and Radar it doesn't rain so much, but that feels like a low blow to Octangent. It's a lovely place. It's just the weather.
1: Yeah, I went in 2019 and um, I didn't wear wellies. I wore Ooh. hiking boots. And even then it was, unbelievable and also because it's actually the site's about uh, three four miles from my house oh um i i was a bit naughty and i I drove there every day instead <laughs> um just because the weather was so bad and um i had a, at the time i had a four by four and that actually like a proper four by four and that yeah. actually struggled to get out of the car park oh, dear
0: god like there was a night where it was so bad that I think the rain almost demolished Helen's tent because I was camped next to her because the rain there is just merciless. It's a lovely scenic place. Bristol has some of the most amazing scenery that I've ever seen, but just the weather, that was my only concern. Like, weather gods, please be nice to us next time.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it definitely, you know, especially because we did Radar two weeks before as well. It definitely kind of made me very thankful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I totally understand that. Um, while we're on the topic of festivals, though, um, I'm waiting to see which festival ends up um, helping me uh, by bringing one of my favorite what am I about to say? I was about to say, who can bring one of my favorite acts, Zilla and Ardo, to the UK? I'm like, wait, Zilla and Ardo were there 2019 at Octangent. I saw them, but it was, because it was raining, I didn't see them fully.
1: Yeah, I think I missed them as well. Everyone was trying to get in and there just wasn't room. Or I think I was just so put off, I, I went somewhere else. I can't quite remember. Um, they're actually a band I only, even though they were at that festival. I've only recently given them a proper go. Um, And sometimes I'm a bit silly. And when I see 50 people in my feed sharing (laughs) the same, the same band, I uh, sometimes get put off by checking that out there and then. So um, yeah, kind of, I don't know why. I don't know why.
0: It's the Uh, hype, isn't it? It's the hype.
1: (laughs) At the same time, when I discover a band and I really want to show them to everyone and I start sharing them with everyone and they don't check them out, I get really, really upset.
0: <laughs> you know what that reminds me of? Um, the the techfest year when Ash Diagram Ash kept on just spamming Arch Echo. And I was like, why won't you shut up about this? I won't listen to them now. I ended up seeing them live. I'm like, wow, Ash was right. You know, they are really good. But yeah, no, I, I get you there. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think they played after us one year actually. And yeah, they're fantastic. Oh um, yes, uh, yeah, they played after us in twenty eighteen. And uh, yeah, they were absolutely fantastic.
0: Oh yeah, no, Zilla and they are just the
1: combination. Oh of, sorry, sorry, I was talking about Arch. Oh, Jekko Art Jekko, oh
0: yeah, sorry. Oh no are also really amazing. Like both bands are amazing, but with me I think with Zilla and Ardo is it's just black metal and, you know, like slavery chants. I no who thought that I understand that Manuel got the idea from Four Chan, and I jokingly always say it's one of the few things that Four Chan has ever given to us as humanity.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, it do, It shouldn't work, but it does. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to experiencing it live.
0: What I was saying, because they were supposed to play at Euroblast, weren't they, last year? But again. Life happened Which is unfortunate But Such is the way Um yeah So I have a really interesting question That I've wanted to ask you And I've been asking everyone As it's Black History Month uh, We're going to talk a bit about race uh, So What was it like Growing in Cornwall um, Being black Because I, I, I don't think there are that many Black people in Cornwall
1: No no um for the majority of my secondary school um my sisters and I were the only people of color in the school and wow. then actually yeah, there was there was there was um uh, there was an asian actually there was an asian guy um yeah. but yeah my sisters and I were the only black people um in our secondary school um in the area, I think there were four secondary schools in a t- in a ten mile radius with about eight hundred to a thousand students each, and they also only had uh, one you know black family attend the school and uh yeah it was it was tough um it was uh, you know <sighs> looking back obviously it was it's most of it is ignorance um you know people don't know any better and they've had values and uh, teachings passed down. And obviously, yeah. you know, you know, no one's born racist. Um, but, you know, uh, for me, it's a, it's a weird one because, you know, the the words and things that were, you know, said and done to me didn't, you know, keep me up at night, didn't actually upset me. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the intention behind them using that they think using this word will upset me. And then that's when I had an issue. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, my, my father, um, he enrolled myself and my two sisters, um, in a local karate dojo. And, uh, by the time we were 15, 16, we were black belts. Yeah. Um, but it definitely made school a lot easier. Um, because obviously there's, you know, this isn't the right way to go about things, but when someone says something racist to you, you can't really say anything back, but, um, you know, you you just give them a good old punch in the face and you just, you know, it usually usually stops the issue. Usually stops the issue. Um,
0: (laughs) I mean, that's true. I'm not going to deny that.
1: (laughs) The, um, the downside to where the school was based was um, so Cornwall was actually quite a poor area, and did used to receive a lot of funding from the EU. Um, and as such, the school that I went to was a, quite a good school and focused on music, but it was situated in a uh, in a council estate, and many of the kids that went to the school lived in that estate. And, you know, if you, if, uh, there was a lot of kind of people throwing their weight around because they had older siblings that they could, um, call on if anything was to happen. Yeah. So the karate came in handy from where, you know, I remember some guy threw, um, some guy threw a bottle of piss at me. What the fuck? Uh, in the the playground and was calling me, you know, all sorts of, uh, racist names and I was chasing him. Like I, I just, just trying to chase him down to absolutely beat the crap out of him. And, um, you know, the bell rang and finished and I just kind of went to class and the stank a piss and I was really fucked off. And I was waiting to get this kid. Uh, he was, he was in the year above me. I was waiting to get him. Cause when I also, when I hit year nine, um, I just like tripled in size. Um, I don't know what happened, but like I, got absolutely huge. Um, like, yeah, my bones and my muscles just, I just shot out. And, uh, yeah, I was waiting for this kid who was a year above me. And, um, when, when the school bell rang and I was trying to find this kid to, to get him back for, for the abuse, um, he had his older brother and a friend there with him as well. Um, and that was a regular occurrence after a while, you know, people could do things and then, you know, you, you couldn't do anything back. You, the teachers didn't care. Um, in the end, it just ended up scrapping with a lot of people. Um, you know, ultimately it's not, it's not the right thing to do, but there came a point where, um, you know, I remember I, someone uh, in the playground called me the N word and, um, threw, like rocks at me. I don't know why. <laughs> and, um, I walked over to them and, um, just, yeah, head by this guy three times. And, you know, I was suspended for two days. He was suspended for two days. And then when he came back into school, um, he apologized profusely and was just like, I, you know, to see that and to have that done to me has made me realize, you know, what, what effect that can have. Um, cause I wasn't particularly aggressive. It was more just kind of like self-defense or preemptive, you know, no, not even preemptive. It's just, it's just retaliation. You know, there's nothing you can say to people who, who, you, uh, yeah. who, th- yeah, there's nothing you can say to, to get back at them. And and if teachers don't care, like it was just, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not proud. I'm not proud of myself. Um, in some respects, you know, I've I've got scars on my knuckles and and hands that remind me of these, these things every day. Um, and yeah, it was, it was tough and luckily, you know, when I got to 16 and went to college, I went to a college, um, about 25 miles away and um it was a, it was in a in Cornwall's only technically city, which is Truro, which is, you know, I don't know, about maybe a sixth of the size of Bristol or something. Um and most of the kids that went there, you know, went to private schools or went to schools in northern areas of Cornwall where um you know it wasn't as backwards and wasn't as ignorant and at college yeah i had an amazing time because uh, there were more people of color there there were more people who were educated there were more people who um just you know just weren't ignorant and just weren't racist um and that was a lot easier um however you know coming back to where my parents live um, and then doing things, you know, in the evening, you'd kind of, my sisters and I, cause my sisters were under the same, were subjected to the same abuse and ultimately re- reacted the same way as I did. Um, and also when people start to cotton on that, you know, martial art, you get a lot of people who, when I um, swear up. you know, yeah, exactly that. And, you know, while college was easy in the day, my college years, you know, evenings and weekends going, you know, when I got a moped or when I passed my driving test and things like that, um, and visiting other towns, you know, that was sometimes difficult, you know, people damaging my car and and all sorts of things. Um, and yeah, it was when I, when I came to university in Bristol and just, you know, experienced next to none of that was, huge wake up call and um, I've, I've, you know, I continue to live here now and I I haven't moved back and I only go back to, to see my family um, who also, I know who will look to move soon. But yeah, it was, uh, it wasn't until, yeah, I was 18 and and moved to Bristol when I I kind of really felt um, comfortable. I mean, there have been some experiences in, in, in Bristol. um, But, yeah, nowhere near as it's as regular like, yeah. or, <clears throat> or as um, you know, just unfounded. Just you know, what on earth is a twelve-year-old kid doing using the n-word? Yeah, like, maliciously. Like, how w- you know? Where does that? How does that come? You know? How does that come about?
0: No, but but like, so um, I'm gonna well, preface this. Uh, this episode is probably going up tomorrow because I I recently well um. Uh, had a recording with luther williamson earlier about that audio because i was trying to use soundtrap instead of this which is the better idea clean feed instead Uh, that ended up corrupting the audio but i'm gonna have to do the re-recording because he spoke about a lot of the things that you're talking about you know just being uh, just people being subjecting just children to some of the most harshest things ever that you think that what type of hate, and some of it was from adults as well, and you're like, but what type of hate emanates that you're either indoctrinating your children to hate as well or you yourself feel the need to tell other people uh, that that this is the thing? Um, it is, as you say, when you look at it, it's more the, the intention of the worst. That's the worrying part, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I yeah. mean, um I remember one of my, I think, first, you know, Secondary school girlfriend when I was 14 or 15 or whatever. Um, well, no, maybe a little bit older, actually. She went to a different school, and um, but basically, I went to school 10 miles away, but I lived closer to two other schools, which I didn't go to. And um, yeah, I had this you know, your, your first ever girlfriend or whatever, and um, I remember going back to her parents' house. And uh, they wouldn't let me in the house. And then the next day, she, you know, she dumped me because her dad told her to. Wow. Um, and it was just, you know, that was um, that was when I actually cottoned on that it's, you know, it's it's taught that it's not, you know, it's you're not born with it that it that it's it's taught or learned.
0: Wow. Like wow, I I'm just, and that's the thing that the reason why i'm having these conversations with other black people is i think most people do not fully realize that the black experience is very different and it's not monolithic like myself i will admit that because i live in east anglia in a mainly horse racing town where we have well a quite multicultural well um area close to cambridge and various elements and just my own temperament i've not been well subjected to a lot of well overt racism mainly microaggressions but i have spoken to other black people and i have heard the things that they have had to suffer through and dear god is it worrying
1: yeah it's um you know it's not something that i would really wish on anyone especially you know if i was to have children um I, I really wouldn't want them to go through, uh, you know, that, that kind of abuse. Um, and in cities, you, you don't get it as much yeah. because obviously, um, it's just more, it's more variety of culture and, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's higher level of say mixed couples, you know, there's, you're, you're more likely to live next to someone. So any concerns you might have, um, you know, uh, Um, what's the word you know, it's just, it's not there because you've, you've befriended someone, you know, you've got, you've anything you might've been passed down from, um, any, any relatives, um, you know, you've got more of an opportunity to dispel those, those myths and those views, um, living in the city. Um, yeah. And I, I, I just wouldn't go back to, um, to a rural area really
0: no that that's understandable there and yeah no, i i get it because um as you've said also it it's at certain times it is just ignorance because um i always like bringing up this example about when i first started living here somebody ended up asking me if i lived in huts in zimbabwe because again the western portrayal of africa is that it's a poor continent where most people do not have houses uh but yeah so it In cities, you don't end up having that happen that much, and then you can also sit down with people and try to educate them, and then they won't end up reacting in such a negative way, although
1: uh,
0: things just seem like they're in a bit of a flux, especially with, well, what happened recently with the Harry and Meghan um, two-part... Is it a 2 part? I'm not so sure. I haven't seen the thing, but yeah... Seems like we're making progress, but sometimes though we make progress, it kind of walks back a bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I mean, from a professional perspective, I've never felt like a diversity hire or anything like that. Um, Day to day, um, I don't see that much of it in my feed. Um, also though, sometimes I don't really just try and think how to word this. Sometimes uh, I don't really have the energy to, um, try and change people's minds, try and, you know, some yeah. people, sometimes people don't want their mind changed either. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I don't see a lot of stuff online really, you know, like the whole Harry and Meghan thing. Um. I see newspapers obviously trashing them, trashing her. Um, but I don't actually see anyone actually trashing her. I just see the newspapers trashing her. Um but obviously, you know, with social media I only follow certain people and I'm only friends with certain people, so I only I'm only subjected to A you know, my echo yeah, yeah. My, my echo chamber of, of perspective. Yeah. Um you know, there are people like Liam Hesslewood who have got the time and the energy to call people out. And I do definitely commend I, him on that.
0: I I applaud Liam on that one as well, because I think I'm like you as like the energy is just, I wish I had it. And Liam is just a hero because he is keeping on the fight. I'm like, I might bake him a cake at some point just for that because man's doing the Lord's work. And it's like, seriously, that's the thing. And sorry to interject though, but I wanted to, to just add us to what you're saying that I think, For black people, it's a bit of a tricky one because we've gone through so much at certain points, you just end up feeling like, I don't know if I still have the bandwidth. I remember once when George, when everything started happening in America with the George Floyd thing, a friend of mine uh, ended up sending me a video by the Hodge brothers uh, that was dispelling BLM. And I ended up responding to my friend with a two page page essay with sources just destroying that video and so after that i'm like it depends on the times i might have energy sometimes but sometimes i will let some people carry on the fight and we will just you know
1: be here to help yeah i think um (sighs) yeah (laughs) i mean there's there's so much i could i could i could go over this about Just trying to, just trying to pick a point,
0: the right words and the right starting point. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, uh, part of me, you know, in a very, this is you know, not very uh, PC or whatever. But (laughs) a part of me definitely feels like, you know, surely these viewpoints aren't going to stay around for much longer, you know, as, as more and more people are connected to more people through social media, they're going to be, you know, they're going to have connections with people of color and they're going to, you know, they're going to have their views challenged. And if they post them online, they're going to hopefully, you know, have their mind changed and, and be educated on, on certain things. Um, and as, as more, and i i you know it's easy to point out but as as more conservative elderly people uh you know pass on hopefully you know these these teachings of and and, and these beliefs aren't passed down as often um you know that that there's gotta be like a, a it's gonna it's gotta get easier soon right you know, as soon as everyone who who is born in the fifties and sixties starts to pass. Um, you know, that, that's gotta, you haven't got people making these kind of comments and, and reinforcing these views. Uh, you know, when you go, people talk about going down and seeing their racist family at Christmas or like, you know, 10, ten more Christmases times, like you're not going to have to see him. Um, you know, and those views can't be, can't be passed down to anyone else. Um, <laughs> you know, like there's yeah. got to be, it sounds, it sounds a bit strange, I know, but you know, there has to be some kind of um, a, a
0: change, end date. yeah, the, the, yeah, the, change. Like, I mean, uh, so the, the only reason that I size because I, I usually use the USA as an example, and I've spoken to my housemate Jack about this, and there, there is a reason that I use the USA as an example is so. When it comes to the makeup of the USA, I say that they're a really good example of seeing what might end up happening with the world. It's either the USA or Japan for different reasons, but I usually go to the USA for one particular reason. No matter how much they've changed over the last decades or hundreds of years, due to the concept of something like Hollywood, they now have immeasurable soft power to end up pushing whichever message that they end up trying to purvey and when it comes to Hollywood the way that they portray black people is so negative that I've met people from other countries who've never been to the UK before that still have certain uh, prejudices against black people because of what they've seen in the media and Mm -hmm. though we might say that well a lot of these Ideas might change. They might change, but they might metamorph and shift in a specific way, kind of like how Lee Atwater, uh, who was the uh, one of Ronald Reagan's um, campaign people, uh, he he has. There's this video on YouTube about him speaking about just the Southern Strategy when they ended up um, basically changing the Republican Party from being the party of Lincoln to what it is now. And they said that it was, in essence shifting the speech so in the 50s you would just say the n-word all the time that that would drive people up and then they ended up realizing that that doesn't work afterwards you end up being called a racist and then after that you start saying words like forced busing and everything else and then you realize that that can't work any much it hurts you in the polls and then at a certain point the speech becomes so obfuscated through wording like you know taxes and everything else like that and low-income housing that you're still addressing the main thing that you're aiming for, but being as subtle as possible. And that is mm-hmm. my worry. I, I want to be hopeful, but I can see it just metamorphing into something else that becomes still prevalent, but so obfuscated and hidden in such a way that it's like dog whistles are all around.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sorry to push you out there a bit. No, I mean, it's just like, you know, um, it's, it's just, it's just, sometimes you just feel it's everywhere and you're just quite tired from it.
0: Yeah. No, black mental exhaustion is a thing and black emotional exhaustion is a thing.
1: Yeah. And, you know, like I've, I've, you know, I've had, um, I don't, I don't even know where to start, you know, <laughs> um, th- there's been things where like I've, I've had cars that, you know, I'm, I'm quite partial to a nice car and, um, I've, I've taken it to a garage for its service or whatever. Yeah, I've taken a friend with me Yeah, and the, um, you know, the staff will automatically approach my friend cause they're white. <sighs> um, you know, And it's, uh, yeah, things like that. Like, oh, okay, yeah, forget this. It's still a thing. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that, like, and a part of me just wants to just just kick off there and then. And then, you know, in the end, I ended up writing an email. And um, I said, look, regardless of what you say, um, you know, Regardless of how you view this, this is how I felt. I went with this. I went there with a friend. They were approached first. Um, you know, I j- just laid out the facts of what happened and also how I felt. And off the back of that, I got um, <laughs> I got a free service the next time around. <laughs> um, but it's you know, part of me was like, okay, so they're admitting fault here. You know, should I? Should I? make this public? Should we get it trending? You know, like, and then I just thought, uh, I don't want to do that because I'll just get more negativity from people who think I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I've got soft, you know, people who think I'm soft or people who think I'm imagining things and, you know, minimizing the issue. And, um, yeah, that, that, you know, the dread of, of that, you know, stopped me from speaking out more.
0: Yeah, no, and it is quite interesting because, again, I keep on speaking about something that I recorded that I can't put out because the audio quality is quite garbage right now and I'm gonna re-record it. Love you, Luther. I look forward to doing this again with you. But Luther ended up also bringing up a very interesting point that the caricature of the angry black man or the angry black woman is, is, is seen because, you know, that that is what is painted and that is what people perceive. However, a lot of the times, being defensive is happening because we've been subjected to so many things that you you have to defend yourself otherwise you're just like yeah no these things are happening and people say maybe you're perceiving it but it's like i'm I'm not perceiving things that are just there (laughs) just because you can't see them just yeah and that's the thing like even when you say that i'm just realizing myself that i have had times when i'm with like my white co-workers and I'm the one who's actually in charge of like the project and then somebody defers to them before they defer to me and I'm like it's not really how it's working here guys but it's that implicitness that people do not end up noticing and it it is worrying when you end up realizing that that is happening or um one that I had a while ago which is uh, an even weirder one less from a black perspective but more from an immigrant perspective is that um for most immigrants who are listening to, uh, to this, uh, they can probably relate. There comes a time when you end up realizing that you're speaking in English to someone who speaks the same language as you do, mainly because you're afraid that if you speak in your own home language, somebody might say something to you and just tell you to go home.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I've, I am terrible with languages. My mum my and my sisters can speak quite a few um, but you know i was born here um I can only speak English, yeah and I just uh you know i guess the question that I get asked a lot is when people say, oh, where are you from
0: oh dear God! and <laughs> oh, dear God. and
1: you know i say well i was I was born in London but, you know what what they really mean is why are you black
0: oh dear God. As in,
1: you know you know what what what's your heritage or or where where are you you know where are you born here um, and, I, you know, I mainly get that from, um, funnily enough, I used to get that from um, a lot of people, I guess, over 40. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it's over 40, just, you know, where are you from or what, what's your heritage? Why does it matter?
0: Why, why does right. it matter? Yeah, like seriously, why, why does it matter? With me, one of the best ones, though, um, about that is, way from for me I, I have way too much fun with that. It's like I could say Zimbabwe, I could say Newmarket. Have fun figuring it out. But <laughs> um with me and has this ever happened to you that um who ooh, ooh I have two now. I have two. Uh these are two things that have happened to me beforehand. So uh one of them is somebody is <laughs> there was this guy who was bashing immigrants um in front of myself and omar my friend who is well a second well second generation palestinian immigrant here in the uk and he's actually lived in palestine it's like just just because we sound british does not mean that you know we we're not really immigrants or we we don't understand that but the best one though is um people who feel it, it that it's okay for them to challenge your blackness when they're not even black themselves that one always gets me
1: can you give me an example?
0: I have two. <laughs> um, one of them is people who usually end up saying, oh, you're a bit like an Oreo, you know, uh, black on the outside, white on the inside. Funny, yep. guys. that That is original. But the best one was uh, when somebody, um, a fr- one friend of mine was rapping Eminem and then somebody ended up saying, oh, she's more black than you. And I'm just thinking, yes, tell the African who grew up in Africa, somebody who is tell them that somebody who's white is more black than them.
1: Yeah. I, um, see, so I'm, I'm not a huge fan of hip hop. Um, it just doesn't do anything for me on a, you know, on a chemical level in the brain. Um, I totally understand issues and things that are discussed. Um, or that, you know, that are talked about. Um, I can appreciate production, but, you know, I'm not passionate about it. Like I am say with, with heavier music, like metal and things like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've had people come up to me at the end of gigs saying like, ah, oh, yeah. When when you stepped on stage, I wasn't expecting that. I'm like, Mother what do you mean? God. Like, <laughs> I, uh, you know, didn't mean anything by it. Just like saying like, yeah, it was really cool to kind of see, see you do that. I'm like, but why? Like, but but, but, but why it's like what are you trying Um, to say
0: did you want do you want me to help you get it out
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was uh yeah it's frustrating um i mean there hasn't been too much of it but yeah sometimes you know um i haven't really got it from other bands it's it's been from um when we've had younger fans and it's their parents or we've had just, just older fans really. Ah. Yeah. I've not had it from any bands. Um One of the things we do though, is we generally try to get a sound check in, sound check in early. Um, yeah. Which means that people can't, can't see, can't, you know, hear us. They don't know what to expect. <laughs> um, and then that really kind of, when um, when we're doing line checks and stuff, you know, we'll just play something really, really heavy or we'll like do like a a cover of something like really kind of funky just to completely, you know, play to um, or like play to or play away from stereotypes. And then, yeah, when we play, it kind of has a bit more of a like wow factor. This is in terms of like, you know, uh, bands we're playing with and things like that um cuz obviously you know they're going to see eight strings and and double kick pedals and they're going to assume it's it's heavy but sometimes it is nice to kind of make people think it's going the opposite way yeah. if they've not checked us out but yeah like mainly older people have come up and been and have commented on the fact that I'm in the band
0: really uh like Mate, I remember this one time when I used to have dreadlocks, I was a download and then some random drunk person just came up to me. It's like, oh, you, you look like the guy from Skendred, And my friend was more offended that, than me for me. She's like, no, you, you don't look like that. And I think uh, you you get to the point where you're just numb to that kind of shit. You're like, it's, it's not even inventive. Like, I... yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I get, uh, Howard Jones from Kill Engage really? slash like the torch. I, yeah. And also get, uh, Josh Travis from Gla- Glass Cloud slash Tony Danza, which, you know, is fair. They are big, bald, black guys. Um, but you, you know, <sighs> within a circle of friends, um, you know, I don't mind it, but from unsolicited from, from strangers, it's kind of like, it's not a great starting point for a conversation that I look like uh, you know, another uh black musician that you know. Um it just you know, it's that's not you know, yeah. it's just not who I am. You know, I think there was one band actually we played with and they were like, Oh, we saw like when we were in the green room, and they were like, Oh yeah, we saw, you know, we saw you on stage with a with an H string and we thought we were gonna get some uh some Glass Cloud kind of vibes Instead we got Tesseract and like, what, what? What? Like you know, I I don't look at you and think your band's <laughs> gonna sound like X. You know, based, just based off you pulling your guitar at the case. Um, you know, obviously I I do my research and I check out all the bands we're playing with ahead of time. But <laughs> but yeah, it's it's uh, little things like that. Just it's kind of like bloody hell, guys. It's, it's, just you know, just use your brain.
0: I mean, Ash, don't you know black people have to work to the aesthetic you have to do that I have to sound like Howard Jones when I sing it's literally in the blueprint did you Did you not get the memo at the black meetings I thought we seriously
1: <laughs> yeah it's I mean not having any gigs on this year you know I've just not experienced anything like that in music yeah um, but I'm kind yeah. of um, you know uh, I'm you know, I will be back out in music and, and you know, playing and in the industry uh, later this year, much later this year. And I, I just, um, yeah, I, I hope that the events of last year and, and the reach that, you know, and the impact that hopefully black lives matter has had, um, you know, I hope that changes things. True. Um, just even on a small level, just, you know, obviously you, you can't, you can't always change what people think, but you know, they don't have to say it.
0: That is true. That is true. And I totally agree with you there. And um, I've been loving the work that, you know, people have been doing. Um, My black brothers and sisters. Thank you very much to the allies. Thank you very much. Uh, You guys have been doing amazing work and keep it up. We have to fight for everyone really, because black lives matter is just one part of a bigger fight that we're all fighting for equality for so many people, because for, the longest time she's been unequal. So, you know, we, we're just trying to have some equality, guys. That's all. Just, just, just to be treated like normal human beings and not, you know, something that you think of as a caricature of what a normal human being should be.
1: Yeah. Or, you know, view them as less than a human being.
0: That as well. Because,
1: of course, you know,
0: yeah, that is the thing. Uh, I'm going to slightly segue into lighter stuff now because if we speak about this, it'll end up being five hours and... I'm sure that you have things to do and I have to work out eat and then edit this before I produce it. Uh, no rest for the wicked. So, um, slight tangent after all of that, very interesting conversation. You're a bit of a marketing wizard, aren't you? If I remember correctly, I'm just hyping you up now even more.
1: (laughs) Uh, yeah, I, I worked for, um, a company that, and I was one of the youngest people there. So I was just by default put onto social media (laughs)
0: <laughs> Get the young kid then,
1: there <laughs> yeah and then off the you know i did a few courses and things like that um and you know i worked with some people that kind of really made me question how you reach people not necessarily being creative and the messaging and things like that but just question how you build an audience and how you reach them and and what appeals to them um you know i'm terrible i can't use photoshop and I, i'm terrible sometimes with um, you know, slogans and, and occasionally bit, bits of, of copy, but um, I really take pride in, in how we kind of reach people um, in, in how we uh, not, not just we, but when I say we, I mean, when I, when I work on anything, like, you know, I look at Valis and I look at our peers, you know, we've got higher numbers of certain social stats, more, than other people that have been going on for a lot longer and, and you've got a higher number of engagement, you know, I'm, I just like to, well, I, th- I think if you're going to do something, you should, you should give it a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and you know, that, that stemmed in my, in my approach to kind of the technical side of, of digital marketing.
0: Yeah, no, it's true there. And it it is like a new frontier where I think more people should be going into. Like myself, I stupidly at the start of the year started to try to learn how to do software development. Dear God, it's fun. It's fun. You spend a lot of the times looking at your computer, wondering why your code is not working, but it's fun. But yeah, that is the thing that the world is changing and more people should be going into. Well, these fields because that is where things are being geared towards really.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, it's quite a competitive space. Um, I currently I, I'm a media planner for an agency, um, that works in the video games industry because Ooh. obviously events were completely wiped out last year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a competitive space. Um, sorry, just trying to think how I can, Hi, well, yeah, it's, I say it's a competitive space because ultimately you have to kind of be a jack of all trades to be able to plan a campaign across multiple channels. So you have to have an understanding of those channels, whether that's, uh, social media marketing, programmatic display, you know, endemic buys. Um, there's just like, there's so many touch points where you can reach a customer or a fan or. Um, you know, engage with someone to to have them align with your brand. And um, yeah, knowing all of those points, knowing them well, and and knowing the ins and outs of, of those platforms um, is, you know, something that's, I guess, taken me years to kind of build on. Um, and I do try and pass that down in the scene. There's quite a few bands that I work with. Um, that I help out for free. Obviously, I know some of my friends are very capable of running ads, but uh, it's kind of, um, you know, it's not just the running of the ads. It's it's the longer term goal. You know, why are we doing this now? Why are we reaching these people? Or you know, why have why would why wouldn't you just spend a hundred pound targeting one audience for a week? You know there's there's not the asking of the questions um which is the thing i'm trying to instill with a lot of people that i work with um is to you know constantly question what they're doing and and why they're doing it because obviously anyone can learn to boost a post but you know is that going to reach the right people every time is that going to reach the right people at all is that content going to connect with those people um you know you've got to test different formats different placements um it's such a, it's such like a, I don't know. It's something I'm quite passionate about. I can tell. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cause, and you know, that there's no, I mean, obviously there is a right way to do it. It just depends on, on the product and and the brand.
0: Yeah. No, that is true. And I think being able to help a lot of people with that is quite great because a lot of people, they, they don't have that training. They don't have that knowledge, know how or the background. And, they will be surprised how much it ends up working for them. Like, for me, I, I'm a big uh, fan of words. I, For a person who gets tongue-tied and says words are words when talking to people, I really like words. It's a weird oxymoron. Uh <clears throat> Juxtaposition, rather. Um, and so I, I, I love, I, I get passionate, as you are, about just the whole planning phase with me. I get passionate about just content, just structure of just, the written language, because you can make so many things in so many different ways, like weave together into making something amazing or something that's just questionable. But yeah, and as with with marketing as well, um, it has the power to end up well, get into so many people, and especially in the music industry where it's hard for many bands to get a foothold because uh, I don't think music has been as competitive as as being as as competitive now as as it's ever been because so many people are making music right now and for people to get the help
1: from you is it's amazing because they're able to shine well (laughs) um yeah i mean you know there are people out there that are probably more technically proficient um on certain platforms but um i don't know i guess i i you know I'm just I'm just helping people I'm just trying to help some of my friends you know there's some people I do do paid stuff with because it is quite time consuming yeah but uh you know I kind of you know a lot of the people I work with I hopefully only want to work with them once on a campaign so going forward you know they instead of me doing the work and teaching them they're just asking me questions or they're getting me to double check their work Yeah, Um, because there's nothing wrong with, you know, passing on knowledge, Um, you know, it inspires competition. You know, I've got it. I'm doing a course later this week um, to make sure I'm at the top of my game as well. I think, uh, you know, sure. I've spent a lot of time and effort learning things and, and understanding things and and growing the mindset that I have. Um, But there's no, I don't think there's any harm in sharing that,
0: true 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 yeah and and hey i was about to say t- teach them, teach a person to to fish and they will be fed for the rest of their lives that is the <laughs> reason, right
1: yeah 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 <laughs> i mean you know um i don't i don't want to i won't name like any of the bands um that <laughs> i help because i don't want it to you know i don't want them to get scrutinized because ultimately um if people make the connection that i'm helping them paid or unpaid and then they're also playing an event that I'm involved in or anything like oh, that. Yeah. You know, I don't want them thinking that it's, it's, uh,
0: you know, nepotism, it's,
1: it's definitely not. It's, it's, yeah, cronyism, it's, it's more
0: because nepotism is where okay, you're okay. Sorry. <laughs> Word nerd. <not. laughs> right. Word nerd again.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't want people thinking, you know, are oh, they only playing that festival because they also pay him like that. That's not the, that's not the case at all. Yeah. Um, I'm also very picky with who I work with. Um, Obviously, you know, we'll help friends out, but outside of that, um, you know, I need to, I need to be on board with the product, um, or with the music, or or with the, the image. Um, otherwise, you know, I, I can't get into the mindset of, of challenging what they've done and challenging what they, what they do going forward to ensure that we're, we're doing, you know, the best thing, the best thing we can to reach and engage, uh, an audience.
0: True man. True man. That is true. And with that we are now getting to the end of the podcast. So before we do our last uh well little bit saying goodbye to anyone, do you have anything that you want to plug?
1: Uh obviously radar festival. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah we'll have some updates on that quite soon. Yep. But uh yeah um you know that's something that we built and super proud of and I hope to see everyone there again. Oh, and more people. Um, what else? Um, so, uh, I'm also working on a kind of secret musical project. Um, not not like you know, Sleep Token secret. But, <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's a new project, and we'll be having a couple of tracks coming out later this year. Um, it's a little bit different to Valis and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to kind of show that and the image and the, the, the branding behind that. It's going to be something that we've as a band, um, this new band it's it's not something that we've ever done before. Um, so it's, it's, it's extremely scary for us, uh, stepping into this realm. Um, it's still heavy, um but yeah songs are a little bit shorter okay i'll just that's that's all i'm going to say for now
0: i mean here i was hoping for funk jazz but when you say this heavy it's like damn it my funk jazz dreams are dashed <laughs> is that even a genre of funk jazz
1: yeah definitely
0: <laughs> i need to listen to that okay and so with that uh we are now getting to the end to say um goodbye is it goodbye or is it Thank you, it's, thank you. Yeah, it's I spent yeah. a very busy day, like <laughs> so. I am just <laughs> rambling a bit at the end. Yeah, um, uh, do you have any kind words to say to the listeners before we say bon voyage?
1: Yeah, um, thank you, thank you very much for listening, and and thanks to all my my friends and family that support me. Um, shout out to Sophie, uh, Catherine, Jackson, Joe, James, um, Tom Moore, Dan Brotherton. Uh, yeah just um, you know c- people who have been uh, helping me and and helping me get through with our upcoming projects and events and things and uh, yeah just thanks for listening and, and thanks for having me on joy
0: well thank you very much ash you've it's been a pleasure man uh, we, sh- we should hang out more well after the play of course we're being sensible individuals <laughs>
1: but yeah definitely yeah yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, and so to everyone i want to thank you guys for listening um thank you for staying with us through the whole journey of this whole crazy insane podcast that i'm able to do while i work and people are okay with speaking to me rambling again uh basically as always look after yourselves be nice to each other if you're struggling reach out because your friends love you and care about you and we will be with you next week hopefully at some point thank you cheers bye-bye